Welcome back. Cool. Thanks, James. <laughs> Happy to I don't know back. why I keep on now introducing. <laughs> but yeah, podcast episode number seven. Oh, we okay. Yeah, seven. crazy. It's gone by. You know, I think we'll have eleven by the end of the year. I think we missed January. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we started early Jan, so then we first one was Feb. Feb or so. Yeah. No, we already oh, had sorry, a book. Started. We already had a book that had lagged from the year before mm. attached um, yes yeah yeah. yeah 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 that was a good one mm. okay so today's book the last arrow and the what's it called subtitle is save nothing for the next life yeah. by erwin Raphael mcmanus i think he normally just goes by mcmanus or erwin mcmanus yeah yeah um yeah, so I don't know if you want to give an intro to the book, if you want me no, to. No, you can give the intro okay. to the book. Cool. So, The Last Arrow by Owen McManus is a book that begins with a biblical story in 2 Kings 13, where Elisha tells King Jehoash, I think, to strike the ground with his arrows. So, he strikes three times and then he stops. As the story goes on, we find out that he stopped striking the ground too early had he continued to strike the ground till his arrows were done, he would have had victory over the Armenians. Um, but instead, now they would only wound them. So this story is the reference story for the book. And McManus looks at different areas of life and he motivates us to keep going until we have nothing left, until we have pretty much given everything we have to give. Um, and effectively, until we've used up our last arrow. Yeah. So he says here, there's two little quotes. Um, my intention for this book is that you would never surrender, that you would never settle, that you would save nothing for the next life. And then another quote is that um, this book has one intention, that whether you win or lose, succeed or fail, live a life of celebrity or anonymity, that when you take your last breath, you will know without reservation that you have given everything you have, everything you are, mm-hmm. to the life that you have been entrusted with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, the book. Yeah, it's about dying with uh, an empty quiver. Yeah, an know, empty like, quiver. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, f- I feel like it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting take, uh, mm. especially with uh, the king striking the ground, you know. Um, I think somewhere in the book, he talks. He made a reference to that that some people give their all when they're doing something, but mm. yet the king <clears throat> had everything. But oh, I think it's about um, when you're comfortable and when you're not. You know, when you're not comfortable, let's say you're struggling or anything, you move everything. You do everything to make things happen mm. but when you're comfortable you do the bare minimum and at the slightest um, hint of struggle you then stop yeah and which is what he said happened to the king you know he thought striking the ground was somewhat to put that in air quotes of a struggle that mm. he only did it three times and um i think somewhere in the book it goes he probably would have been happy if he's he hit the ground five times or six mm, times, yeah. but why was he angry with three, you know? But it's that whole thing of he felt that the king didn't give it his all. You yeah. know, he was still, he still had more energy to go, but yet he gave up, Yeah, you know? And I think this book is about not giving up as well, mm. you know, um, be our best selves, you know, as we do everything you know yeah. i think it talks about that as well that in all we do you know we have to make sure with our best selves and we give it our all yeah um mm. yeah yeah i must say that um i think for me there's parts of the book that i i really find quite interesting in that and there are parts that i will have to that i've because i mean we spoke about it a little bit before <laughs> the the motivational side of it i sometimes yeah, struggle with yeah, a little yeah. bit and so i'll i'll do my best to <laughs> not comment on that too much <laughs> and i mean i think other people would feel similar in terms of like the christian undertone of yeah. of the message yeah. so that's fine and I, but i think that there are lots of valuable parts of what he's saying and he he's definitely a very passionate person mm. and he very he very much is the kind of person he's not 
I mean, if you read the book, he's not someone that is like, do this stuff yeah. and then he doesn't do it. Yeah. Like he, he goes for maybe a little bit too overboard <laughs> for my taste, but he really goes for it. And he, he's got some seriously interesting stories that he comes across along the way. But I think you should then dive in into those parts where you're like, no, 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 I, I disagree with this. I think that's, I think, should it's, make it interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I think it's, <laughs> I, I don't really, I haven't put my finger on it yet hmm. because the, the I, I, pretty much everything in the book, there are some parts that I, w- I would disagree with, but in whole, hmm. like, I agree with most of the stuff. It's just like, it leans very far on that <laughs> motivational side yeah. and that's where i i like to just like think through things and yeah, so yeah. but i also like to be inspired a bit but then when it's like the whole book is it's inspiration then i'm like Meh. <laughs> but it's been good as well for me to to try and dig into something like that and try and learn how to appreciate um different forms different of mindsets and things like that as well um yeah, because some people, this I mean, you were saying that this kind of book really mm. like hits home for you mm. or resonates with you. And I think that, yeah, it's it's good to get those different perspectives yeah, yeah. as well. No, I mean, uh, I mean the, there were parts where I read it, I was like, Ugh. I mean, <laughs> like the, um, the Samuel not telling the truth part. Uh, but uh, what is it about? There's nothing new under the sun part. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I read that part and I was like, I think I embodied Kim, the wife, in that moment. You know, um, but I think I understood what you was trying to say. Mm. You know, that... Um, and I think so often, even in our work context, we, we chat about it. And I think we've spoken about it that every solution there is out there in terms of, like, software is there. Mm. It's just a matter of doing it efficiently and better. I'm I don't not know if you sure agree. agree. Okay, you don't <laughs> agree, but but I, there's a lot of things that have been solved. Let that, me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me putting let pieces me not say everything. Yes, but mm-hmm. I'm trying to say that. Let's say, for instance, in the bank sector, all banks probably rely on the same fundamentals, right? Yeah. Let, let me backtrack. I think if someone hit the last one, just forget I said that last <laughs> bit. Um, <laughs> The I agree with, with that part. <laughs> <laughs> the set of fundamentals, right? And there have been solutions for those things, mm-hmm. right? But year after year, I believe there are people working on those same stuff. doesn't mean yeah. that it's something new, but it's just to better or refine that process. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. So I think in the context of Samuel, that's the reference he was making, but that didn't sit right with Owen because... He felt that if you put yourself to it, there'll be other things you can create or discover that has that have not been discovered yet. Remember I said mm. once he made that or the first time he gave that talk, he was pretty much in today's culture I would say he was cancelled after that. Mm. And what he did was then he went to do create stuff. So that's when he focused more on his clothing line, he focused more on his production company in the hope that I'm here creating new stuff. Mm. Samuel said there's nothing new under the sun, but I'll prove him wrong. There are new things under the world, under the sun. Is it Samuel or Solomon? It was Samuel, I think. I think it's from Ecclesiastes. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Solomon, yeah. Yes, yes. It could be, yes, yes. It was someone somewhere. It was someone with an S. (laughs) But, But yeah, so it's... um, Again, like I said, when I started reading that part, I was like, ooh, yeah. you know. But I, I got his point, and I feel like I also got where the reference was coming from, mm. you know. And I think it's about about perspective. Mm. You know, depending on the context you're in, you can always say something. And I mean, he further on to say, I mean, I think he tied it on with the Cuban trip he made, you know, that when he went to Cuba, he felt like he had stepped back in time. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, and it's that Where thing. he says, kind of, if you, people think time's 
is um, progressing, progressing at the same yeah. time, but in essence, we all progressing at different. Yeah. So then he uses the example of like different countries mm. being almost in different eras of history, mm. even in the present moment. Yeah. It's like some countries are more in the 1500s, mm. some countries 1800s, yeah. some countries modern times, mm. and then you go from you go to Japan and you're like, whoa, there's all this new stuff. You go to some other country that's sort of more rural and you're like, whoa, this is mm. like living in the 1000 BC or something. Mm. Um, yeah. Sorry. It's just a little but background. I mean, <laughs> in, in that moment, it was like, they've been held back in time and it's as if this is all that you ever know. Mm. You see, they, they were kind of living that statement, you know, even though that wasn't their attention, but that's the reference he made. But, on the other hand, the other world is like, you know, there's, like you're saying, go to Japan. Like, there's tech in Japan, apparently, what he said, that we don't even know who ever exists, but, you know, they're, mm. they're using it. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, to my point, I was like, when I started reading that, I was like, you cut it a little, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I just thought I'd say that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but on the whole, I think it's very, um, there's lots of interesting parts. Mm. And he's, yeah, like we said, He's been to some seriously interesting places yeah. in his life. And he's, I mean, we were talking earlier as well. He's definitely got the travel bug. Yes, yes. But the cool part is that he seems to be very interested in, when oh. he travels, he engages yeah. with people. Yeah. So he, he meets people and he tr tries to sort of figure out other people's stories and make sense of it from his sort of, I guess, worldview. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's very cool. Yeah. Okay, should we dig into yeah. the the book? The book. Yeah. Okay, so the book is broken down into 10 chapters. Maybe I'll just read the, the titles of the chapters and then we will dig into like three or so of them. Mm. So the first is, or the intro is the battle. Um, so basically the background to him actually writing this book is that he is battling with cancer at this point in his life. I think he made it yeah, through he and did. he's fine and he stuff. Did, yeah. Um, but yeah, so the stuff that he's talking through in this book, he, he actually doesn't bring up cancer quite a lot. I was expecting him to bring it up quite a lot in the book. But interestingly, he doesn't bring it up too much. But that's the underlying sort no, of... I think he only brought it up one other time when yeah, he's talking about um, when you're CEO and they wanted to insure... Yes. Company and yeah. Yeah. That's the only time he kind of. Yeah, and then him. they found out that he wasn't able to be insured because um, he had this indicator of cancer, yeah. and he was like, "Ah, no. When I test it next time, it'll be fine." fine. And, it um, and then it wasn't. Yeah. But yeah, which is interesting. Modern medicine and modern insurance policies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's the the battle. And then the point of no return is a story about um, basically the, uh, they go swimming um, and the, yeah, maybe I won't dig into that mm. too much. I'll maybe just read through the titles yes, and then we yeah. can we can chat through the one. So point of no return, save nothing for the next life, choose the future, set your past on fire. Refuse to stay behind. Act like your life depends on it. Stand your ground. Find your tribe. Know what you want and battle ready. Cool. Okay. So let's dig into some of those. Um, yeah. Because each of them have very interesting stories. Some of which, uh, because I may or may not have read the book very late. Uh, some of which have vanquished from my memory. But um, yeah. Here are some of the ones that are. I think I kind of somewhat remember. Okay, so the point of no return is the, the one chapter that we'll look at. Yeah. Um, so this is the one where, and just jump in at any point, if because yeah. I'm going to highly paraphrase the story because of my poor memory. Mm. But there's two people and they are, I think it's um, in a movie that Owen or yeah. watched. Yeah. Um, so... There's two people and they're going for a swim and the one brother is like, I think, a high achiever and he's the sort of... I think he was also comparing himself to his brother. Oh, uh, yeah. In, that in parallel. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so he's a high achiever and he's like the, the one who is the, 
I can't remember all the things, but he's probably the fittest and he's the strongest and he's the best swimmer and all these different things. And then um, they go for a swim and then all of a sudden um, the other brother, the one that's sort of Erwin is um, relating to, mm. who's the weaker brother or whatever you want to um, call it, he ends up swimming super fast and is basically overtakes the the brother who's supposed to be the the good swimmer or whatever and so long story short the brother that's normally the high achiever is like what is going on here and eventually when they get sort of towards the middle of the ocean the guy's like how is this happening and he's like well or he says how are we going to get back to shore and then he says to him uh, something along the lines of, like, I've given everything, everything yeah. up to this point. And, like, I basically gave it so much that I wasn't planning on getting You're back right. to the show. I was just going for it. Um, which I don't know what to think about that story. <laughs> but I think the, the, it is quite a, like, a powerful idea to be like, he, the reason why he was able to do better than the person who was supposed to be the stronger swimmer than him is because he just gave it absolutely everything. He wasn't worried about how he's going to get back to the shore. He was just like, I'm going to go for it yeah. now while I can. Um, yeah. An interesting story. Yeah. So just to add on to that, I think just going back to that story, story of Elisha and, you know, striking the ground. What he did was exactly what was expected of the king. You know, he, if we put, if we relate swimming to striking the ground, he hit the ground with his oar. Yeah. To him, those, nothing holding him back. He was like, if we're doing this, I'll I'll Mm. do it with my oar, you know, and I think if you, I know I'm jumping a bit, you know, but it's like the title is the point of no return. It's like you do all the work, you know, without, as you've said, thinking of, oh, I need to go back. But if you notice the next chapter after that is save nothing for the next life. Mm -hmm. And again, I'll use that same swimming references. Like he wasn't worried or, or didn't, didn't ever cross his mind that he has to swim back. Because mm. the moment if it did, then he would have been like, I'll save my energy for swimming back. Mm. But if you look at the next chapter, if you save nothing for the next life, it's like whatever you get, you, you do your best at executing it. Mm. You know, And I feel like that story is perfect picture for saving nothing for the next life. Because... Mm you don't have a set point in future. You don't tell yourself like, oh, like in 10 years, I need to have done this. It's like, if we're going to do this, we'll do it right. And you just put your oil in it. And that's exactly what the one brother did. He mm. swam like his life depend on, depended on it. Yeah. Which at some point it did because he needed to <laughs> go back <laughs> to shore. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think... It's a it's a very powerful illustration. I still like with these kind of things. I'm always like, you know, but what happens? Like, mm. you you should be planning for the going back and swimming back because you don't want to like not have any energy so yeah. that you can't make it back and things. But I don't know if Erwin uh, would be very happy with me <laughs> saying that. But I do. I like. I still feel like there's that element of it that one needs to take into account. But I do think most of the time we lean towards the too much. We like sort of keeping too much um, cautiously. Yes. yes we yes. we so should we, go for it more, basically. Yeah, yeah. No, like I think, yeah, reading it is like, I mean, there are various chapters with the same underlying message, mm. pretty much. And like I said, about the, the next thing of saving nothing for the next life, I think to me, to, like, I feel like growing up I was a very cautious person. You know, I didn't take risks growing mm. up. And it's exactly that, you know. Um, 
so like it's always you try to be very calculative like and i think we need to also draw the line we don't have to be stupid about it you know to be like if you have food today eat it all mm. you know you have to still account for that but i think it's there are certain points in life you know that if for instance opportunity come your way you know the, you can consider but if you have to take that opportunity take it mm-hmm. if if it means you're making certain sacrifices you know like let's say not necessarily deplete but use most just of your savings towards it for a better future mm. i feel like it's a no brainer because our savings again it's like saving to what point mm. you know like i'm not against saving like we should save yeah what you can um for those trips um <laughs> the, uh but it's nothing of where when life comes at you and you need to make that decision to dig into the savings for a better future i feel like it's a no brainer not taking it yeah especially if you trust and and opportunity is good and the only head is let's say finances that you might have but you think you need to hold on to i think you need to do it yeah yeah i mean we we most of the time we either like saving way too much or not saving at, at all. all um and i think with most things in life there's that balance um and yeah if we're literally just putting money aside for some future that we're never mm, going to act yeah. on then that's not good um and we should be acting on whether it's financially or whether it's like okay um you've built up a set of skills and you're working as a whatever the classic example would be like mm. a waiter and mm. you want to become um an actor uh, if you just sort of keep building up your actor skills but you never actually try and audition mm. or something then you you doing yourself a disservice yeah. you're not going to be living to I'm gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna mention it. <laughs> to to try and live your life to the full. Um, yeah, is is um, yeah, I think it should be pushing towards that direction more than we normally do. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, there's some some interesting quotes that he had that I thought maybe we could just mm-hmm. chat through. So one of them that I liked was he says, "I never found a way around failure, and so I can't teach you how to f- how not to fail." but I can guide you to a place where you'll never quit. And I think that's a, um, it's a helpful frame of mind Mm. to have. And I think some of the books that we've discussed kind of lean on that a little bit, but to say, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna go for the not quitting part, Mm. basically just continuously putting in effort. And again, there's still wisdom. There's Mm. still places where it makes sense to Mm. quit, but, um, for the most part, we we basically give up. And he, he has another. Um, Just before you go on, like yeah, go for it. that's actually as much as this sound or looks similar, they're very different. Like you actually said two things. It, it actually just sparked something in my mind. Okay, like cool. Giving up and quitting. Actually, quite different. No, but but I'm not taking away your point. I'm just adding to your point that, um, like you're saying, at some point you need to have the wisdom to be like, this is not for me. I need to step back or step away from this. Yeah. But um, giving up, I feel like, is very different from Yeah, yeah. You know, giving up is... You knowing that... There's light at the end of the tunnel, but you're like, I can't. I can't anyway. Yeah, it's too much effort. It's too much it's effort. It's too you difficult, know, you, yeah. You give every excuse not to mm. to finish or do what you want to do. Um, yeah. 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 And, it, and I mean, this is another quote, but it ties back to that. He says, yeah, I wonder how many times in my own life I thought that I had failed, but actually the only thing that happened was that I quit. Mm. Because, yeah, sometimes we... We just, we give up. Mm. Okay, it's so using the word slightly differently yeah, to yeah. what, what you, I like your clarification yeah. actually. Um, but 
So when when we stop pursuing the thing that we know is actually good, mm. then we because it's too difficult, it's we often think, oh, you know, um that was it made sense to do to to stop at mm. that point. But and like maybe you didn't achieve the thing that you wanted to, whether it was like, I don't know, some people aspire to become like lawyers and, and this and that. Like if you didn't finish your law degree, but you really wanted to to become a lawyer, um, but you gave up because it got difficult, maybe you failed a year mm. or something like that. And that was like really taxing. Um, then giving up in those circumstances um, is yeah it's something that we must try and mm. push ourselves through to not to not keep on giving yeah. up mm. yeah um okay then there's another one where let's see put here you have no control over whether you've been endowed with above average talent intelligence physical attributes what you can control is whether you choose to live your life defined and determined by the status quo and to kind of maybe put it differently you can choose to continuously work at s stuff. Mm. Um, and despite what other people think and say, and it's like, oh, okay, that's a silly path to mm. go down or it's not worth the effort and stuff. If it's something you care about, um, then continuing past the status quo, what everyone thinks should be expected mm. of people or what people think is reasonable, um, yeah. I think that's a helpful frame of mind to have. Yeah. Okay, then I've got one last thing here on this chapter, which I liked the way that... So it's it's the way that he talks about arrows and how, yeah, how you can think about them as continuing the metaphor. Mm. So he says, most of us live our lives as if the arrows are too valuable to shoot. They look so nice inside the quiver. We may even take extra time each day to organize our arrows and make sure that they're in perfect condition. What I love about arrows, in contrast to, their ancient, to other ancient weapons, is that while you may use a sword, it never leaves your hand. But the arrow only has value if you release it. It travels where you have not gone yourself. The arrow extends your range of impact and only fulfills its purpose when it's set into flight. We're not supposed to die with our quivers full. In fact, our greatest aspiration should be to die with our quiver empty. Those who never settle have the mind. Those who never settle have the mind. Have uh, the mindset. I thought it was a dash. <laughs> have the mindset that they are saving nothing for the next life. Um, and in a sort of loose sense, I really um, like that idea because. Often I do things where like maybe I'll I'll get a new piece of technology or something like that. And it's so nice and pristine that I just don't want to use it. Mm. Like I just want to make sure that it stays in its box. And if I ever take it out, I'm like super cautious with it and stuff like that. And I'm sure that in different ways, different people do the same thing. Um, and then I remember watching, a, I don't know if you've seen Casey Neistat. Mm -hmm. I remember watching a video of his where, and you and I were in photograph into photography at some point, um, and he's like a big YouTube um, vlogger, photographer, videographer, person, filmmaker. You might even call himself. Um, and so he he basically gets cameras and pretty much everything, and he doesn't care about them. Maybe almost too much of an extreme. But he treats them as tools to be used mm. um, rather than as these like things to not be touched or stuff. They, they made to take videos, to take, go out there, like go into the rain if it's mm. waterproof, um, go into the rain and use it. And don't be scared of like getting a scratch here mm. or there. Just use it. Um, and I... I think I lean way too much to the other side, like too much cautious, not mm. doing things, not using things that that I have either gotten or 
yeah, I, sp- I suppose mostly it is material things, but um, I'm sure that there's other ways that, that I don't do that. But, but yeah, mm. so it's just something that I yeah, need like, to get I mean, better at. I just remember that of that an R is only valuable once it, it leaves, you know, mm. behind. Like, that's, that's very powerful, mm. you know, and like what you're saying, it's like you get something and you just want to wipe it down, you know, put it back in the box and it's like, no, it's only valuable if you actually use it for what it's intended for. Like, yeah. Like you said, go out and sh- shoot pictures, shoot, you know, take pictures, yeah. shoot videos. Don't worry about the shadow count. <laughs> it's <laughs> Don't fine. Worry if about the it. camera dies because you used it too much, that's not a bad thing. That's, that's good because you're actually using it. You know? Yeah. You're getting your values worth. Um, yeah. 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 Mm. Okay, I don't know if you have anything else from that chapter. That you no, know. nothing else. Just, uh, just want to read a few things from the next chapter, which I feel like just also yeah, go for highlight it. some of the things, you know. Like, I mean, in the next chapter, it talks about... What's the chapter? That's time? called uh, Save Nothing for the Next Life. Mm. Um, yeah, it talks about uh, we can become so afraid of death that we never live, so afraid of failure that we never risk, so afraid of pain that we never discover how strong we really are. I mean, the reason why that stood out now, it's just you spoke about that now, um, about the whole failure, quitting and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And this exactly describes that, you know, that um, we limit ourselves and we don't understand our full potential because we don't want to take those risks, Mm. you know. Um, Yeah, so... Yeah, the, the... there are some interesting parts um, for saving nothing for the next life. But like I said um, earlier, that the chapter that we spoke on now, you know, ties in with that, that you yeah. have to give your own now. You know, like, I mean, back to that camera reference you made, it's the same way of you buy a camera, you wipe it down, and you're like, at some point I'll use it. Mm. You know, it's like, why don't you start now? Yeah, you go know? for it. Like, go yeah. for it now. Um so yeah, um, and something else here that I highlighted in that chapter is um, the moment you choose to play it safe, you have lost the game. Instead of running from your fears, lean into them. For on the other side of them is the future you long for. Mm-hmm. You see, like again, like the fears are now overcome them, and like you know the the future might be different. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so yeah, that's some of the points from Save Nothing for the next life that I feel tie in with um, mm. point of no return. You know, I think the point of no return is about making that commitment. Mm. You know, that's where it all starts. You know, uh, like I said, I feel like the chapters are very well interlinked. You know, um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I think the, the all of the stuff ties well back to. I mean, it's a very short story. Yeah. Um, from Kings, um, and then he ties it back to it quite well. Um, yeah, and even uh, I listened to a brief thing by Charles Spurgeon um, on the same sort of passage, and he sort of ties it back as well to. Pretty much the same thing, which was quite surprising to me because um, Spurgeon is someone who's very, um, he's like a very, I don't know, reformed, uh, cautious um, person. Uh, Maybe cautious isn't quite the right word, but he's like a... um, Reserved. Yeah, reserved. And then... um, McManus, I think, leans towards the other side a little bit more, like on the sort of liberal side, um, and there can be sort of pros and cons on both. Um, but it was interesting that they both tie it back to the same sort of point in the striking the arrows idea, where you, when you haven't, when you, you haven't basically given it your all, mm. um, and then Irwin sort of u- likes to use the phrase save nothing for the next life, which, yeah, is a... So he leans on that phrase 
sort of saying something similar to to someone like Spurgeon in a different way, which is just a it's an interesting thing that different people with very different viewpoints would converge on a similar um mm. s- yeah similar way of of thinking through this the story mm. but yeah um should we look at the act like your life depends on it yeah. i can't remember what chapter it is but um, that's the title of the chapter the that's the important <laughs> part okay so it's um chapter six okay cool um so I'll start off with this one of the stories that he has um, in the book, and it's uh, a story about people with leprosy. I think it's also one of the ones taken from the Bible. So basically it goes along these lines. Four men with leprosy sat at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay until we die? If we stay, we'll go into this. If we say we'll go into the city, um, the famine is there and we'll die. And if we stay here, we'll also die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. Now remember, they were having the fight with the Arameans. Uh, Arameans. Um, and then they said, if they spare us, we live. If they kill us, we die. Then, and, he, and then Erwin comments on that and he says, I just love the optimism of this observation. It would be bad enough to be a leper. It would be worse to be a leper in a time of famine. And if it were not bad enough to be a leper in a time of famine, it would be even worse to be a leper in a time of famine in the middle of a war. <laughs> so very bad circumstances. Um, and even further, it would be worse if you were on the side of the war that was losing, losing. which, yeah. which the they way. were. Yeah. <laughs> and yet the four lepers locked outside of their city, four lepers who have been forgotten and abandoned by their own, four lepers whose bodies are being eaten away by an incurable disease, but whose minds are still sharp, at least sharp enough to understand their options. There was only one option that they had, even the slightest prospect that would sort of give them even the slightest prospect of life. And it was the option that required them to take the greatest risk and the greatest courage. So he carries on there and he basically says that what these lepers did was... They were like, look, we could go this way, we're gonna die, we could do this, we're gonna die. Let's just go for let's just go for it and go to the um the enemies. Our, our enemies. Um and then long story short, they, they go to the enemies, but then the enemies are actually gone from the camp and then they can um, get a bunch of stuff, not condoning robbery. And then um yeah. It doesn't they, um, robbery, but yeah. Yeah. But so uh, Long story short, they had, they acted like their life depended on it and they took steps because it was like, they couldn't really do anything Mm. else. And they were just like, what can we, what can we do? Let's just go for this because we've got no Mm. other choice. And I think what um, uh, Erwin is saying is the point that he's trying to get at is that we, we should, if we want to, try and live succeed yeah live full lives we should think about it in the way that our life depends on it and remember in the background of his mind is his cancer diagnosis where he's um, because i'm assuming when he was writing this chapter he knew about it as well because i think it was throughout the whole book talks about um yeah his levels and stuff okay yeah and so yeah, we we should be, yeah, not forgetting that this life comes to an end at some point, and so uh, to try and do things that it's not just sitting on the couch um, is probably not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no, um, those options, those three options that the the lepers had were like very interesting, you know. Um, But just to add on, he talks about they both came to a point of clarity where they were like, no, let's go back to the city and tell them, you know. Oh, yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's Um, after after they had taken the other... taken stuff, but they're like, why are we doing this, you know. Um, Mm. So it's like, and I think at the end it talks about how 
because they acted like their life depended on it and in essence their life did because they were like okay we die uh, each scenario leads us to our death but if at the slightest they capture us they'll still feed us I think that that was their logic mm. behind them and uh, I think at the end of the chapter it talks about just because they made that decision um, then everyone else benefited from it. I think when he's closing that chapter, he says that, because remember, if they hadn't gone back to tell the king that, look, the enemies have left, then the, the kids, their people would have still been locked up. Mm. You know? Um, but at every step, they were, they were mindful that their life depends on it. You know? I mean, what would have four people with leprosy done with all that the the store, if you say we're not condoning stealing, but <laughs> all that they took, you know, without permission, you know. You go to prison and you know, I didn't steal it, I just took it. <laughs> you know, I just took it. Um, so, yeah, um, we really need to, and I think you put this well, we really need to at all times do things as if our life depends on it. You know, mm. it's like, the work we do, our life depends on it. Uh, mm. But we need to, in that moment as we're working, know that we should give it our all because our life depends on mm. it. Not in a scary way, you know, because when you always hear, oh, your life depends on it, it's always has a bit of a negative connotation mm. to it. But the good in it, you know, that I need to do this because my life truly depends on it. Mm. Yeah, you know? Um yeah, I mean, in some sense, um, it is, it's, it's, the the life depends on it. Idea is almost more helpful as a motivational um, thing. But in some sense, if we look back at our lives, our lives are made up of those pieces that we act on. So if we don't try and, um. Yeah, do our best in various scenarios, whether it's in our case writing code at work or whether it's helping someone do something or whether it's just being a good friend mm. or good husband, wife. Um we those are the things that make up our lives. Mm. And so the the idea of acting like your life depends on it, while it's not always completely true, like it's not like if I don't treat my um, partner well in this situation, then my life will go to ruins. Mm. If you do it too often, like it will, your life will drastically mm. change based on those, those outcomes. Mm. I mean, based on those decisions. Um, so yeah, it does kind of tie back together. Mm. Um, I mean, on page 100, it goes, it makes one wonder how many times we choose to remain in our desperate in our desperation, rather than allow it to drive us to the abundance we that awaits us, you know, in that sense, it's like those are one of the cringy. <laughs> 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 like I, I agree with the point. I just feel, <laughs> I feel like he could have dimmed his words a little bit, <laughs> but I said I wouldn't mention it, so I was trying to stop that. <laughs> no, no, you, you can't. Like I said, no, but otherwise I'll just it. say it the whole time. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> 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 but yeah, um, act like your life depends on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, it's a, it is a good, um, a good lesson to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, yeah. another cringy one then. I'll be quiet. one feels like leprosy. That it's how we actually saw, and it will lead us to build f fortresses that look like security and safety. And I, I think that's very true. I think as as humans, we we like security. We like to be secure. But again, it's we use it to mask our fear. You know, we might be afraid to step out of our comfort zone, and we say, "Oh no, we." We're secure here. We're comfortable here. Mm. But it's that thing of 
what else is out there? You know? Yeah. I I actually really like that one. Because <laughs> so so I I'll to read it a tiny bit more. So yeah. because the the thing is with that point is we often confuse safety and security for comfort. For um yeah, they do. Uh, to, we often confuse it as a fortress, right? So we we build up this. We we have our home and we're comfortable and happy in our home and the people we surround ourselves and we um we think that it's a fortress that we've mm. built, but actually it's a prison that we've built. Now that's not to say that building a family and a home and things like that can't be a fortress. Mm. Like of course it can be. But sometimes we confuse those things and we think we've built a fortress, but we've actually built a prison. Mm. So I'll maybe reread it and then just carry on because there's like one or two sentences that... So it says... So this is what you read. Fear is like leprosy that eats away at our souls and it leads us to build a fortress, to build fortresses that look like security and safety. Fear convinces us that we've locked out the dangers that would befall us all the while blinding us to the fact that it hasn't locked out the world at all. Instead, fear has trapped us inside ourselves. It was never a fortress. It was always a prison. Um, so actually, yeah, I think that that's a really, really good point. Don't... Build fortresses. Mm. Do do that. <laughs> but don't trick yourself into building a prison mm. and thinking it's a fortress. Um, because... Yeah, that's not uh, the place you yeah, want to be. Yeah, like, don't convince yourself your fort, um, your prison is a fortress. Yes, yeah, exactly. Mm. Any other sort of thoughts from that chapter? Mm. Yeah, I think uh, that's, they are so that's, that's that one. Yeah, I think I've, I mean, I've touched on the ones that I wanted to. Yeah. Cool. Should we look at the next one? Find your tribe. Yeah. Yeah, I really like this chapter um, because it's about people and relationships. And you can see, I, I think, from the things that Irwin does that he cares about people and relationships. So... He, I mean, he loves doing all kinds of things like traveling and speaking and doing all, all, um, all kinds of things, which, yeah, I mean, he's a really, like we said earlier, he's a go-getter. But the nice thing is that he's not someone who seems to be a go-getter that deserts everything that actually makes him who he is. Um, yeah, he values those, those friendships that as he is calling it a tribe, of people, uh, friendships and family. Um, and yeah, so I think it's a really good chapter. Should we read through some of the stuff there? Yeah. Okay. So find your tribe. Um, one of the things he has is it's much easier to do something yourself. So the, the background here is just contrasting doing things by yourself and doing things alone. And it's very quick and easy to do things yourself. But when you do things with other people, you often achieve a lot more. I mean, that's why most of the time big companies achieve a lot more than sole proprietors and that. Not that you can't as a, as a sole proprietor, but even in those kind of cases where you a person working on your own, most of the time you're working for a company. Yeah. You're just like freelancing for yeah. a, a company. I mean, he before you go, he talks about just that. It's the... African proverb. Yes, yeah. That's and, a good one. And which references that is that if if you had to go fast, go alone. If you had to go far, go together. Yeah. Very true. Very, very true. Yeah, I mean so a similar sort of idea. He says, Yeah, it's much easier to do something yourself. It takes so much more work. It demands so much more of yourself to create an environment where highly talented, skilled, and intelligent people can work together for a common goal. So the way that I read it might have been unclear, but 
you can do something yourself and it's it's quite quick and easy to do Ooh. that. So the easy solution is to say, I'm just going to do it myself. Yeah. It's a lot harder to create an environment where people can thrive. I mean, in various aspects of life, like when you get a group of people together, there's bound to be issues and conflicts Ooh. and things like that. But if you can build a culture that can get past that and can basically have it so that the people trust each other and enjoy working together, then it's almost inevitable that as a team or as a tribe, as he would put it, you will achieve a lot more and be more satisfied with what you've achieved because you did it with a group of people. Um, yeah, but it's difficult, um, yeah. but worthwhile. Yeah, I mean... Just so I like, I mean, he talks about the one guy, uh, the producer, who when asked, like, well, essentially, did, uh, I'm not paraphrasing, but just to quote it loosely about it's like, what's behind your success, mm. you know, and he, he doesn't make references to himself but he highly talks about his team that yeah. he is where he is because of his team you know um, and I mean it adds to that notion that you you need good people behind you and I think he does talk about like all the successful people that he's met you know there's always been a team that they've been with for a long time that yeah. have allowed them to be where they are yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think for me, I, I did like enjoy that section about, you know, um, find your tribe. And I mean, it was in the sense that, and it, it just speaks about how people don't, um, or the, the one thing that they feel is very dispensable is relationships. You know, when people, um, want to move and stuff, they often forget that the reason they're in the place where they're at, let's say mentally or in terms of health, is because of the people they're surrounding themselves mm. with. And yet it's the first thing that you always go, oh, but I can make new friends. Mm. You know, I think people don't really understand, you know, the value of relationships around them. And I mean, I, for one, you know, there have been several times when I've wanted to move, you know, leave PE. But the one thing that keeps keeps me around is the people that I have here. Mm. I, I have a very good, I think, <laughs> you know, I have a very good support system, mm. you know. And it's not even in terms of family, it's friends that have become family, mm. you know. Um, and I could relate to what you're saying. And I feel like that stretches out in different contexts in terms of businesses. You don't have to be, you know, um, that close, but you can still have a f sort of relationship with your colleagues that unifies you. Yeah. You, know, you are happy to be part of that company because of the wonderful culture it has, mm. because of how they treat people. You, you know, you... You... Like, I think we as humans like to associate with good things. Mm -hmm. And if there's good coming from, you know, a certain environment, you know, um, you want to be part of that. And I mean, mm -hmm. just thinking back to the last book we read, How to Think, you know, there was that whole, what was it? How did they refer to it? It was... Not community, but the outsiders and... Oh, uh, yeah, um, in-group and out-group. In-group and out-group. And, I mean, it, I feel like a tribe is like an in-group. Well, I mean, as long as you don't take the negative connotation <laughs> yeah, of in-group yeah, where yeah, you yeah, yes, don't yes. get caught so far in your in-group that yeah, you, you, you uh, basically don't listen to, to other out, ideas yeah, yes, and things yes, like yes, that, yes. so... Or oh, you can be an out group with similar, let's put it that way. You can be an out group, a group of out groupers. I think know? the term that he used was membership. Yeah. Where oh, you yes, want to yes. use, so you don't want to be like, so obviously I agree with what you, you're saying, but just to go back to the how you how to think um, books terms, I think he was saying that 
there's the in groups and the out groups and stuff like that. And being in those are, can be dangerous Ooh. because of, of various things. But the term that he uses membership because membership, uh, you are sort of part of something that's bigger than you, mm. but you are a important part of it to the degree that if you were to step away, it would affect that situation. It's mm. not... You're not in such a massive group that you fade into the distance and kind of you just form you basically a collective mm. ideology rather than actually a, a bunch of human beings. Um, yeah, sorry, a bit of a derailment there. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so I think I was at the end of it. But yeah, it's it's very important for you to find that group for yourself. Mm. You know, um, of course. Not in the extreme way, but you know, people that you know mean well. Yeah. You know, um, and I think th- that has a positive impact on people's life far greater than we actually imagine. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I just wanted to add that. Yeah, I think <coughs> that um, that continuous reflection on it's not just you; it's that team. And that's the way that you, not that you even need to strive. I mean, again, um, everyone would disagree with me here, but it's not, to me, it's not that you need to strive for like absolute greatness to be the, I think he actually does think along these lines as well. He just expresses it differently. It's not that you need to strive for like being the best in the world. So for him, it's more striving to just, fulfill whatever you can do mm. like not you you have certain capabilities and most people don't use them to their full extent because they're afraid or they have too much fear of like my things might go wrong etc etc um but in in order to 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 get to a point where you feel like you're doing the things that you want to do and you can kind of just do them without struggle mm. um but you're pushing yourself and you're learning new things and you're growing in order to do that continuously you might be able to do it once off now and again by yourself but in order to do that continuously you need to have like you were saying mm. that good team of mm. people people that you can trust and rely on um yeah he says there as well um that years ago i spent a great deal of my time trying to understand successful Um, patterns in business I began to discover that often the initial idea of entrepreneurs is not their best idea but what happens in that first endeavor is that they find their best people they find people who are with them whether their idea pans out or not they find people who are with them in both the midst of success and the midst of failure Um, and I mean I think that'll only happen if you have a good culture but if I look at people like, oh, actually, maybe I'm going to contradict myself here. <laughs> if I look at people like Elon Musk, Elon Musk, he might be a brilliant mind um, and he knows quite a lot of stuff um, and he seemingly can pick up things fast and put ideas together, interesting ideas very well. But I still think that one of his strongest um competencies if you want to call it that is actually getting highly intelligent people very basically inspired Mm. to work with him and for him and help push towards his vision Mm. um because i think he's smart enough that he's able to make intelligent people intrigued and then he's doing really interesting projects. So it pulls those people mm. in. And I think it's a certain type of person mm. that can work for Elon. I certainly don't think I'm one of those people. <laughs> but I think that the main reason why he's been able to achieve all the things, people will pin it on him mm. and say, yo, here, he's amazing. He's achieved a lot. And he definitely has. Mm. But one of the main things is that he he's able to get a massive amount of really talented, smart people to push the idea of getting an electric car going, to push the idea of 
getting rockets um, launched for cheaper and all of those different things. I was going to say, essentially, he's good at creating tribes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's just that they surround brilliant ideas, which people that are intrigued, they know, be like, I want to be part of that tribe mm. and, you know, execute those things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's um, tribes. A key thing. <laughs> yeah, I find it off like yesterday we were talking about this. How yeah, I wouldn't mention it, but the one company avoids mentioning tribe because of the negative connotation that it may have down the line in terms of tribalism and what uh, okay, yeah. that kind of stuff. Uh we're so too cautious with words, then we won't be able to say anything. Anything, you know. Um, but, yeah. but yeah, it's funny how, like you say, like now thinking about it, like, no, they, because the person who said how he's noticed that that company has people that set companies for two, three years and they move on, mm. you know. But it seems like that's almost everyone. Mm. And it's Nowadays, like, yeah. Yeah, but it feels like other companies like a big thing. Uh, and it's like, we forget that when you put certain things in place, we attract a certain group of people, but you need to accept them for all that they bring. So it just seemingly seems like there's a certain group of individuals that you relate to or attract but the downfall is that they have the culture of jumping ship every two three years mm. you know it's it sounds bad but it's just like that's just how those people or people in that group tend to live their life yeah you know and you either have to if that sort of work it for you you either have to get to a point where you're like hold on something is wrong we need to change something or accept the fact that that's how your tribe rules in mm. some sense, you know. Yeah. And it's difficult to, if you want to change the way that a tribal culture thinks, then it's it can be very difficult to do that. But to get the, whether you want that culture of getting new people in every two years, if that's what you're actually going for. I mean, most companies wouldn't be going for mm. that. But even if you were... Um, or if you wanted to get that long-term culture where people feel like, cool, I can build a career here. Mm. Um, shaping the culture to the way that you, um, I guess, envision it to be helpful is really difficult, um, but it's worthwhile. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Is there anything else? No, I think if you have some concluding thoughts, then go for it. Yeah, uh, my concluding thought. Uh, I'll just think about even like just to add after finding your tribe. Just touch a bit on but already, you know. Okay. Because yeah. just uh, an interesting thing that um, he talks about him speaking at the one event that it was just sprung on him, but mm. the guy organizing said he knew the first time he heard him speak you know, that he could do the job. And it was just a matter of that. I think we underestimate the 0.1, like from Atomic Habits, that if you consistently mm. do something, you know, when that big thing is in front of you, you'll be able to do it. And like you said, he consistent, like without fail, whether there were 20 people, whether there were 300 people, he would stand up every Sunday and share. Mm -hmm. You know, and I feel like, to me, bad already is about showing up. Mm -hmm. Like, your job can be mundane and boring, but you showing up every day and doing what you need to do prepares you for when that big break comes. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's like my concluding thought to the book as well, that, you know, strike not with all your strength but with what you got consistently up until if you use up until every hour breaks up until your quiver is empty 
just give it your all, mm. you know, because you, again, like you said, you live in nothing for the next life. You, you will die knowing that you've done all that you could. Mm. And I mean, if, as he says, something else that he doesn't agree on, which I also understand him that I feel like then for the afterlife, you're prepared, mm. you know, um, like, I mean, to me, I always feel um, there's one there's one scripture that went up until a few years ago I saw very differently. And it's um, John 3, verse 16. It's like, for God's allowed to, that whoever believes shall not pray, but have everlasting life. I think for, or growing up, the way it was taught to me is like, do this for a better life, you know? But then a few years ago, that changed to be like, what if this is the eternal life? So oh, as in like, like it's we, we, not like, <laughs> I think I get what you're saying. So you're not starting your life, waiting for your life to start, start then. then. Yeah. Like, yeah, I see. Yeah. We have to live it now. And I feel like the message from this book is exactly that. It's like, Live out your life as best as you can now. Mm. You know, don't be like, oh, I'll do that, I'll do that then, and then I'll rectify myself, and then I'll have my foot in it in the afterlife. But no, it's like, live life as you always, like you always will now, mm. and just carry on. Mm. You know, and I feel like the last Durant said nothing for the next life it's exactly that like we we here and if we don't live now when you know mm-hmm. yeah that's my concluding thought yeah i mean my my concluding thoughts similar to what you said just before that i think and it's i think most of the books that we've read and probably some of the best life advice is just being consistent mm. in stepping forward in the direction that you want to go, being patient, slowly taking small strides, mm. that one, that 0.01%, mm. keeping on going. And I think that will, if you take that thought, that idea, and combine it with the, what he would call tribe, what I would call like friendship relationships, if you have those two things, then I think, you will naturally be using up all your arrows mm. because to me that those are the kind of things that life is about where you you continuously stepping forward growing as a human being and you doing that in relationship with other people um and i think that he touches on a lot of those kind of core themes mm. um and he might push more on the rather than just taking continuous steps forward like give it your absolute all um and i like i think in the modern culture and stuff of burnout and stuff maybe i'm a little bit cautious towards Mm. towards just going absolutely full tilt but more than more than probably i should um i i'm i can be reserved at times Mm. and to try and push a little bit more, but do it in a way that you can do it constantly, I think is, yeah. I think that's one of the the things that I've taken from themes in this book, mm. but also a bunch of different books that we've read. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Thanks, Jan. Thanks, Peter. We'll chat again. Cool. Cheers. <laughs>